cows, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, Trump had a really big weekend, and it's not just because Ron DeSantis endorsed him and has suspended his uh, uh, race for the presidency, but also that uh, Fannie Willis is going down in flames in Fulton County, which was... The one case that really Trump was sort of, you know, they said that was the most problematic case for some reason, which is stupid on many levels, but it's very corrupt down there in Fulton County. Everybody knows it, right? I mean, you know, they had the water leak and Ruby Friedman uh, goes in and starts running Biden ballots over and over and over again through a tabulator. They caught her on tape, and yet somehow the judge, a, uh, a, re- a liberal judge, um, had the nerve to uh, find Rudy Giuliani guilty and charged him with about $170 million worth of debt, and uh, he's going to appeal it, hopefully successfully. And somehow Ruby Freeman was going to get rich off of that when she was the criminal. But Fannie Willis, they got her dead to rights, man. Boy, did she really step in it. Moron, Fannie Willis. Two-timing hussy, Fannie Willis. Um, so I wanted to, to play this uh, audio clip uh, of Fannie Willis and Fannie basically was saying uh, that she would fire, she would fire uh, a person if uh, they uh, had an affair with a, a subordinate. And yet, that's exactly what she did. So, um, you know, I mean, under her own standards, she would fire herself. Let's take a listen to Fannie Willis. Um, it is saddening to me 
if young women felt like they came to work and they were, one, even judged for being a woman, but, two, if certainly they felt uncomfortable within the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, that will not mm-hmm. be something that's uh-huh. allowed on my watch. Um, supervisors under my leadership that are not encouraging and building up my staff will not be supervisors long in my administration. And um, I certainly will not be choosing people to date that work under me. Let, let me just say that. I certainly um, won't. Know, we are at a place in society where things happen in people's relationships, husband and wife. Sometimes there are outside relationships. I don't think that that's what the community is concerned about, although there, you know, there might be a, a moral breaking in that. I think that what citizens are really, really concerned about is if you chose to have inappropriate contact with employees. I mean, there's nothing that I can say on it other than it is distracting. Um, it is certainly inappropriate for the number one law enforcement officer in this state. Um, and it just, it, it really, really saddens me. And it will be very unfortunate if the taxpayers of this community have to pay for any of those lawsuits. Exactly. That's the way I feel about it also. Oh, yeah. We're just self-righteous as can be, hypocritical as can be, too. You know, I mean, is that our best? Is that the best that DEI can offer up? Diversity, equity, and inclusion? Is that the best they could do? My goodness. Certainly there's a lot better DEI than that. No? Am I wrong? So, I mean, here's the thing. So, so the guy that, uh, oh, it says here. Let's take a listen to this. wife fanny all that money you allocated tricking on a prosecutor tricked his wife out of fourteen hundred dollars a month alimony payments and even took some of it back using the debit card out the same account (laughs) that he put the money in from contracts he allegedly you for Where's the justice for this black woman when she's saying, I've been married to his ass for 26 years, raised his children, and he somewhere, he somehow found a way to get, a, to get around the law? The- <laughs> so anyway, they're making a lot of fun of it. And uh, the thing is, is that they got bank records. So what happened was the uh, dude, the prosecutor that she hired to, as the chief prosecutor against Trump, Nathan Wade, is getting sued by his wife because he's cheating on her. And he was hiding money. And next thing you know, she has documents of bank statements that she puts out and they got receipts. $850 flights to Napa Valley, uh, the cruises, all on the government's tax dollar. I mean, she's going down. So this is like bad for Fanny. Bad, bad, bad for Fanny. Terrible. Well, and um, so that's that. Now, um, other things that are happening in the other cases is we're starting to realize that the FBI was uh, was do the the January fifth and January plant, uh, bomb planning was a false flag attack designed to blame conservatives so if you watch the mainstream media you might think that what happened on january 6th 2021 was a coup attempt 
But what if that's not at all what happened? The dictionary definition of a coup is a violent overthrow or altercation or of an existing government by a small group. All right, so let's take a listen to this. This is uh, top-notch reporter Michael Schellenberger. If you watch the mainstream news media, you might think that what happened on January 6th, 2021 was a coup. There's no better way to describe what happened. MSNBC. But what if that's not what at all happened? The dictionary definition of a coup is a, quote, violent overthrow or alteration of an existing government by a small group. Now, there's no doubt that the chaos on January 6th was a bad day for the United States. But it was a bad day that would have been prevented had congressional leaders granted the request by the head of the Capitol Police for National Guard backup. And more importantly, the people who walked through the Capitol were protesting what they thought was a stolen election. They weren't planning to take over the government and run it from the rotunda, for example. Let's be real. An unarmed group of rioters in the most armed country in the history of the world could never take over the government. Coups require physically overpowering the existing government. That's why they almost always involve the military. Now, contrast what happened on January 6th to what happened on September 11th. No, no, not the September 11th here in the United States in 2001, but September 11th, 1973, in the Latin American nation of Chile. On that day, a faction in the military launched a coup against the elected leader, Salvador Allende, resulting in the installation of General Pinochet as president. Allende took his own life as his presidential palace was being bombed from the air. The toppling of his government ushered in nearly two decades of brutal military dictatorship. Or take what happened in Iran in 1953. And he goes on, right? But, uh, you know, um, Michael Schellenberger has been doing a lot of research on this. And, you know, to the point where Charlie Kirk even weighed in. And, you know, it's, it's quite something that when Schellenberger, you know, is basically going with the story... Uh, you have to, you have to really, uh, you know, kind of uh, think twice about what's being done because uh, this guy named Beatty uh, from Revolver News uh, also also got in, weighed in on it, and has gotten really great footage of this. And so is uh, Darren Beatty uh, from Re- Revolver News. But Charlie Kirk wrote this. You know, Charlie Kirk is very mainstream, and he said, What was once a right-wing conspiracy theory is breaking containment and going mainstream. Michael Schellenberger is not a right-winger. He's a, he's a liberal, actually. But now he is embracing Darren J. Beatty's theory that J-6 pipe bombs were some kind of false flag. We cannot overstate how important it would be if Beatty is correct. None of the other theories about J6, about Ray Epps, about the missing guardsmen need to be true for this to be a revelation of utmost importance. It would mean that unelected actors in the federal government acted to frame political enemies for an, un- for an attempted terrorist attack. That is the behavior of an authoritarian regime. So the FBI must come forward with the whole truth immediately. If they will not, then Republicans have a duty to tear the FBI down to its foundation 
and ensure that no government organization is allowed to amass this kind of power ever again. And what he's responding to, Charlie Kirk, is this. FBI and Secret Service are covering up, this is according to Michael Schellenberger, very good reporter, investigative journalist. FBI and Secret Service are covering up their role in alleged January 6th pipe bomb plot. New evidence suggests video footage shows multiple agencies may have lied about the alleged explosive devices and mishandled their investigations. It should have been a national scandal. On January 6, 2021, the day of the Capitol riot, a bomb nearly exploded at the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. According to the FBI, had it gone off, it could have killed Vice President Kamala Harris, who drove by the alleged bomb and was in the DNC headquarters when the bomb was discovered. Although these bombs did not detonate, said the FBI earlier this year, it is important to remember that the suspect walked along residential and commercial areas in Capitol Hill, just blocks from the U.S. Capitol with viable pipe bombs that could have seriously injured or killed innocent bystanders. Among these innocent bystanders was the vice president or uh, vice president-elect, really. But the incident never became a national scandal. In an interview with the Los Angeles Times on January 17, 2021, Harris never mentioned the potential assassination attempt. In fact, Harris's near-death experience was unknown until the Department of Justice uh, revealed it in a court filing in November 2021. The government had previously incorrectly stated that Harris was in the U.S. Capitol. They lied. The other thing is they had a picture of this pipe bomb and it's exactly the kind of prototype, it was exactly the kind of pipe bomb that the FBI used in training. So they had a lot of these pipe bombs that were identical to what the FBI used in training. So the uh, it says here, a video released by Tom Massey, Congressman Tom Massey, and first reported by Revolver News and The Blaze, shows that a passerby with a backpack alerted Capitol Police sitting in their cars outside the DNC. Congressional staffers told Blaze reporter Steve Baker that a uh, Capitol Police plainclothes officer found the DNC pipe bomb. In the video, Capitol Police do not react with alarm. And they let people, including children, pass just a few feet from the pipe bomb as though it wasn't dangerous. The evidence suggests that the Capitol Police officers knew the bomb was not a threat. The FBI appears to have taken the explosives devices seriously. The FBI offered a $500,000 reward for helping to find the person who left the bomb. Well, they have the video footage and they have Capitol Police to testify. The FBI's Washington Field Office Director, Stephen Duatuno, recorded a video urging the public to report suspicious individuals to the FBI. The FBI says that its lab determined that the devices, both pipe bombs with 60-minute kitchen timers, were viable. 
But a National Explosives Task Force quick look report leaked to CBS News suggested that their bombs could not have been detonated remotely from a secondary device like a cell phone. All of it suggests that if they had been set, they were designed to go off on January 5th. Report CB, reports CBS investigative re- correspondent Catherine Herridge. This leak, leaked report calls into question the accepted pipe bomb timeline. So what's more is this person named Kyle Serafin, a former FBI agent who worked on the investigation, said that explosive devices were inoperable technicians from the Joint Program Office for counter, ca- Countering IEDs, Serafin stated, told him the devices lacked the necessary assembly to work. And even the FBI agent admitted to Representative Thomas Massey, who participated in the questioning of the agent before the House Judiciary, that the bombs wouldn't have worked. So it's quite interesting that they're, what, you mix this with the video, for, and they're going to now prompt the FBI to turn over all of the footage that they failed. And that now they've deleted a lot, too. Uh, the J6 committee, substandard committee, I mean, it's, it wasn't even a, a full, a legit committee because they didn't allow the Republicans to have their representation. And so even their subpoenas were really not meritable. But uh, they, um, they, they deleted a lot of evidence, <coughs> from what I understand. So, but it's an interesting week. It's an interesting week uh, on many levels. We have the New Hampshire primary, and it's just a horse race now between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Over the weekend also, the federal, uh, the FBI... It seems to be operating as uh, this group called the Patriot Front. It says that the Patriot Front wasn't filled with feds. The MSM would have exposed every masked member by now. They're all masks. They all look like a modern-day Ku Klux Klan, which was a Democrat idea. And the Democrats were the KKK. And now they got this Patriot Front, which is this white supremacist, racist kind of thing. Nobody knows anything about it. Uh, I don't know. I've been in the Republican Party for a long time. I, I've never seen a white supremacist organized. I may, I may have made, uh, met a white racist. I, I have also met black racists but um, in my life, but I've never met like a, I've never known of a group like I know of Antifa and I know of Black Lives Matter and I know how dis- discriminatory they are and I know how racist they are. Um, but I've never really seen or understood where the, these groups sub- allegedly are. You know, someone needs to to enlighten me, I guess. Um, so Donald Trump... Uh, really uh, let Ron DeSantis have it over the weekend, and I guess Ron DeSantis got the memo, or there was a deal made. But Ron DeSantis decided to step down, and we're going to go ahead and uh, listen to what Ron DeSantis had to say. Let's take a listen. Greetings from Florida. The warmth of being home is a reminder why I've chosen public service. From joining the United States Navy and serving in Iraq 
to representing the people in the U.S. Congress, and now serving as governor of Florida. And it reminds me why I decided to run for president, to fight for those who have been forgotten in this country. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. We can choose reckless borrowing and spending, or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination, or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border, and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. The D.C. elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you, and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Reversing the decline of this nation requires leadership that delivers big results for the people we are elected to serve. I have a record of leading with conviction, championing an agenda marked by bold colors, delivering on my promises, and defeating the people who are responsible for our nation's decline. That is the type of leadership we need for all of America. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second-place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. I thank all of our passionate supporters who have stood by us through it all, that we had people volunteer to come to Iowa in the middle of a blizzard to knock on doors and make phone calls touched us dearly. No candidate had more thrown at him, but no candidate had so many committed volunteers and staff. Finally, I want to thank my wife, Casey, and our kids, Madison, Mason, and Mamie. Casey's gone far above and beyond in her support for our campaign and for our cause. She's not only a great wife and mother, she's a great American who cares deeply about the future of the country that our kids will inherit. Our kids have seen and done a lot on the trail, from playing on the famed Field of Dreams baseball site in Iowa to making their first snowman in New Hampshire. 
They are one of the reasons we fight so hard for what we believe in. Winston Churchill once remarked that success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. While this campaign has ended, the mission continues. Down here in Florida, we will continue to show the country how to lead. Thank you, and God bless. Wow. Well, that came also after a lot of recommendations to do so. And so, you know, a lot of people are wondering how much of his supporters will go to Trump and how many supporters will go to Nikki Haley. I mean, some people are with DeSantis because they'll never go with Trump. And other, but the majority, especially because DeSantis graciously endorsed Donald Trump, that people are going to listen to him. And and then also there's people like uh, John in Chicago that calls in quite a bit. And he is uh, pro-DeSantis. And he also is pro-Trump. So he is one of those you know, type of uh, DeSantis supporters that will immediately now go to Trump, I'm sure. And uh, so that's kind of interesting. You know, and I, I'm I'm thinking that, that Trump, it's going to be a shoe-in for Trump to win New Hampshire now. It's not even going to be a question. And, uh, and especially because, you know, the truth about Nikki Haley is just coming to light. I mean, there was, she was stopped by some people and they asked her, you spent $100 million in uh, Iowa and you have no chance of winning. So, you know, they're being very nice. But, you know, it was a tough question. And she was, you know, it was it was cordial. But she, and she defended herself. But they said, why don't you just take that $100 million? If you care about veterans so much, why don't you just take that $100 million and give it to the, give it to homeless veterans in Iowa or something like that? Do something better for veterans with your $100 million instead of buying attack ads and dividing our party and in endorsing, you know, or in, in support of these global corporate, corporate interests. So she didn't have a good answer for that, though. And here she is saying Nikki Haley complaining. Uh, here she is complaining about how hard it is or was to grow up in the Deep South as a brown girl. Hmm. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down. See, what she just said there about the Confederate flag, I think was, it, it, it's, it was exactly why it is I stopped liking her. Because she used that tragedy to exploit a political uh, uh, idea of removing the flag, as if the flag has anything to do with a crazy kid shooting up a church. 
It's so stupid. It's wrong thinking. And I lost total respect for her on that. So the Super Bowl is coming soon, February 11th. And they just announced that the Black National Anthem will be sung at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Do you support having a separate national anthem based on skin color? It's got to be like the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. So why did every major Democrat-controlled city decide to stop counting ballots at the same time in 2020? Let's take a listen to this little compilation. A water pipe has broken in State Farm Arena. State Farm Arena is where they were counting the absentee ballots of Georgia's most populous county. And now the tabulation has stopped. It's Allegheny, which is Pittsburgh, but also Beaver, part of our county to county, Mm. Butler and Westmoreland. They've all stopped counting for the night. They've gone to bed. They begin the process at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Good morning, Heather. They did have the press pause overnight. They will be back in a few short hours, expected to resume counting around 8.30 this morning. Fulton County is now going to stop counting at 10.30 p.m. and will resume their count at uh, tomorrow morning. They basically stopped counting tonight. They're going to start counting again in a few hours. It's already tomorrow morning, right? The election workers stopped counting those mail-in ballots at 10 o'clock. They will be back again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Says it stopped counting the votes yesterday, election day, but don't, they don't say why. Why did you stop counting them? Here's where it gets really bizarre. Uh, Fulton County, most populous county, it is Atlanta. They just stopped counting at 10.30 p.m. They stopped counting their absentee ballots. They said they'd pick it up in the morning. But the counting in one of that state's biggest counties has stopped. Mike Armstrong is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Mike, we're talking about Allegheny County. That's the area around Pittsburgh. What's happening? Election workers in Allegheny County are back to work after pausing counting overnight. Butler County had to press pause on counting ballots. Nevada, meanwhile, has stopped counting votes until 9 a.m. on Thursday. A water pipe has broken in State Farm Arena. State Farm Arena is where they were counting the absentee ballots of Georgia's most populous county. And now the tabulation has stopped. Wow. What a scam, right? I mean, that's what that is. So what are they afraid of that dictator President Trump might might do? What are they afraid the, the dictator Trump, what, what are they afraid he's going to do? Will he hide the fact that in 2024 he attempted to hire a foreign ex-spy to work with Russia, sources to create a fake anti-Biden dossier? No, they did that. Would tr- a Trump presidency weaponize a vengeful FBI to begin contracting with ex and Facebook to suppress stories he feels will hurt MAGA candidates? No, that was the Democrats that did that. Would Trump's future Secretary of State round up 51 right-wing ex-CIA authorities, if they even exist, to swear and lie on the eve of the balloting that the Russians created the Stormy Daniels non-disclosure agreement? No, that would be the Democrats doing that. Maybe Trump will get his DOJ to go easy on any future accusations of tax fraud on behalf of his sons by weaponizing the IRS. No, that's the Democrats that did that with Hunter Biden. Maybe Trump will will dictatorially uh, cancel student loan debt even if the Supreme Court goes against him. On the eve of the 2026 midterms, Or would he dare, by fiat, drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve merely for Republican advantage in the midterms? No, 
that would be Joe Biden. He he drained the strategic oil reserves to lower gas prices to win the midterm elections as much as he could. He also uh, violated a Supreme Court order and is issuing illegally executive orders to give student loan forgiveness out, which is stealing from one citizen and giving it to another. So it goes on and on like that. This is a long thing. It's like 15 pieces or or 17 uh, different examples of that, but it's quite entertaining. You get the idea. What they accuse Trump of, they've done themselves. So, you know, Davos is over and Alex Soros uh, is a bit of a dictator. Again, Michael Schellenberger. The idea that George Soros controls politicians around the world is an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, insists the media. But it's not a theory. Here's his son, Alex, with Ireland's prime minister, who is at this moment seeking to seize control over the entire Internet through hate speech legislation. Visit Alex Soros's X.com account, and it's full of pictures of him with politicians from around the world. Why does he post them? because he wants to advertise his power over them. George Soros was the largest donor to the Democrats in 2022, one of the largest donors to Biden and one of the largest donors to various NGO efforts demanding censorship around the world, including Media Matters. Alex today controls his father's uh, political operation. So, yeah, he's doing that. And he's got this little man syndrome. He's just like a little pipsqueak. And I heard him speak. And he kept saying, um, 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 um. I mean, he was such an idiot. So stupid. This guy is not ready for prime time. But he reminds me of the little man in Of Mice and Men. You know, with a very, very mean, angry soul. And that's what this guy is. He's got his father's money and he's a mean, angry man. And this kind of rhetoric is heating up. Now that we have a Trump nomination, I mean, it's not even close. This has got to have negative impact on Jack Smith and all these different indictments and and investigations and and, uh, court proceedings. To the point where, you know, Biden obviously is exposed for what he has been doing, political prosecutions. And it's become quite clear. And even the black communities in the Bronx uh, are in love with Trump and hate Joe Biden. To the point where the Democrats know that they're not going to win. So they're getting desperate. So spoiled, arrogant, little Alex Soros tweets out, a bullet hole, and 47. So what he did was he has a black and white photo of a bullet hole and a 20, a 10, a a 10, a 5, a 1, and a 1. So this person's holding $47 and on, on the right side, and on the left side is a bullet hole. So basically they're saying kill Donald Trump is what they are insinuating. Alex Soros tweets out a bullet hole in 47 
a direct violent threat to Donald Trump. Can you believe it? This was reported by Lara Logan, and it's unbelievable. Also, you could find this story over at the Gateway Pundit. It's disturbing. What's even more disturbing is you got this fat black guy um, that from MSNBC, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. It could be... No. Okay. So I, I don't know his name, but he's got like white silver hair and he's just a pudgy guy on MSNBC. And uh, here he is. Why do you listen to this? This is insane. This was posted by Jack Posobiec and this was from MSNBC. And this is, you know, a pretty popular anchor. I don't know his name, but... Um, here it is. The thing that Trump and his lawyers forget, I think, is that they ain't president yet, right? So if the Supreme Court says that the presidents have this, you know, complete immunity from prosecution and whatever, what's to stop, oh, I don't know, the actual president, Joe Biden, from launching a preemptive strike on a rebel stronghold at Mar-a-Lago to engineer regime change? What's to stop Biden from doing that, right? Like, I don't think Trump has thought this through. But for the record, as Andrew was saying, I do not think that Biden has the power to launch a strike against his political rival, right? right. I think it would violate posse comitatus and, you know, murder yes, laws, right, yes, right? Right. right? And so I think that Biden, if he did that, would be prosecuted. Trump doesn't seem to understand, and the people who support Trump don't seem to understand, that the powers he calls on to himself then must be given to every single other president. Yeah, I mean, it's dog whistling. It's putting the seeds out there, and people are starting to really talk about these threats. But, you know, the mainstream media is also getting the message that Trump isn't the tyrant the Democrats are, and it's seeping out everywhere. CNBC, I played a Jamie Dimon clip last week, and, you know, he basically said, you know, Trump was right about this, that, and the other, and he didn't get us into any wars, and... Here's Jamie Dimon again talking about immigration. Unbelievable. And he's right. And he's no fan of Trump. But I guarantee you, I'd have to think that he's going to probably vote for Trump. But like, take a listen to this. I, we are screwing up tons of other things, including immigration. But life isn't either or. So, you know, you can't say, well, we'll do this and do that. We know you're, you're dealt the hand you're dealt and you got to deal with it. And so we should be very clear about helping the lower income population. You know, no country, every country's got to control the borders and we have to control the borders. And so uh, uh, so they're all important. Would you take the deal that the Republicans have put on the table, though, which is we want this border immigration policy as we've laid out and then we'll fund the rest. Would you rather take that than neither? I don't I have not read that deal in total, but I probably would take it. We have to control the borders. We need more merit based. Uh, immigration. We need more seasonal immigration. We need more. Uh, we need uh, DACA have a place here. We need a path to citizenship. If you do not control the borders, you are going to destroy our country. And so I think the people who think that somehow this is okay. So now that you know they're sending the uh, immig- the migrants into New York and stuff like that. So all of my super liberal friends now they realize what a problem is. Did it? Did it have to be that? You know that we realize it. So we want to be have a big heart for the for the world, but we have to. Con- so 
You know, legal immigration. That's what the Republicans support, legal immigration. Why? Because this other kind of immigration that the Biden Mayorkas scam is doing is just selling out America to the corporate interests of, you know, who, who benefit from the cheap labor. I mean, we played a Jerry Nadler clip last week. We just completely said it. Who's going to uh, who's going to work the the farm agriculture fields? <coughs> so, but at what expense? You take a listen to this. This is a border crosser from the Middle East saying, "You don't know me now, but you'll get the, you'll know my name one day." Listen. By the way, if you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're gonna know who I am. Very very easy. The, the entitlement, the entitlement. Uh, no, believe me, I'm much better than that. The entitlement, guys. Wow. So this is a, a border crosser who's just arrogant as it can be, hates America. There's another one uh, over in Europe in Florence, one of my favorite cities in the world, Florence, Italy. You got this guy from Africa uh, that's a cultural enricher jumps on cars one after the other, denting every single rooftop, going jumping from one car to the next in a parking lot and just out of boredom. It's coming to your neighborhood. You know, these, these people are not civilized. And then you got this uh, situation. Why are dangerous diseases uh, of the past... Uh, returning. So Laura Ingram addressed this. Let's take a listen. There in Delaware last week said 20 to 30 people may have been exposed to the virus. Joining me measles. now is Dr. Mark Siegel, to Fox News medical contributor. Dr. Siegel, um, we thought <clears throat> the measles had largely been beaten uh, in the United States. Is there cause for concern here? Well, there's, co there's cause for concern, Laura, if you're not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated against measles or you had it when you were a kid, there's almost no chance of your getting it. The problem is worldwide. There's 9 million cases in the world last year, up 40 percent. And there's a big problem in Yemen, not only Houthis, but also measles in, in Yemen, uh, also in India. And the problem is with travelers. And, you know, we're not screening travelers, not to mention the southern border where we're not screening them at all, of course. So people are coming into the country, bringing diseases like measles, which we think is just a childhood disease, but could absolutely hospitalize you from pneumonia. So it's something we have to be concerned about. It's an easy fix. This vaccine has been around since the 1970s, the one we're using. It's safe and it's extremely effective. Um, there's also been a surge in tuberculosis cases, Dr. Siegel, and um, many uh, you know, experts on this do link it back to the border because we have a lot of people crossing the border. So you get the idea, right? I mean, this open border is bringing all kinds of diseases into our country, deadly diseases. And oh, it's just so frustrating that that no one's doing anything about it. So Newt Gingrich makes a point. He says uh, something very interesting. Let's take a listen here. Next. Let's, let's say that uh, Trump <clears throat> continues this, the momentum he just got in, in uh, Iowa. And let's say he becomes the nominee. And let's say that uh, he wins a big election and we pick up the Senate and we expand our margin in the House. The question then is, are you prepared for the next two years to take on the left, 
which is going to go crazy. I mean, they they will see this as Armageddon. This, in their world, this will be literally life and death. And they will do anything they have to to try to stop uh, a new uh, Trump administration. They, they don't want to make America great again. Uh, that's the exact opposite of where the left's head is. Uh, they want to drown America with illegal immigrants. They want to shrink America inside international organizations. They want to eliminate American history. Uh, and they want to raise a generation that despises its own country. That's crazy, isn't it? But that <laughs> that's no lightweight. You know, Newt Gingrich saying that is pretty amazing. So in New York City, they have migrants just all over the place in these parks. New York, it says migrants in New York City are reportedly leaving pee in cups on people's doorsteps as the migrant crisis continues to spiral out of control. Living among the pee and poop is just part and parcel of living in New York City, I guess. So I said, why should citizens pay taxes for park services if the officials allow the parks to become overrun by dangerous drug pushers, criminals, and disease spreaders? Why not set up a camp on the grounds of, say, the mayor's house at Gracie Mansion in New York City and let Eric Adams deal with his own decision? Why not? I think it starts with not paying, you know, you stop paying taxes. And and just go into war with your own country because that's what's happening right now is they're taking they're they're waging war on you by pushing all these criminals into your nest egg into your into your home into your community and they're in the name of what in the name of democracy right and we are a republican we we're a republic. So let's take a listen to this clip from the, I think it's from the 50s, uh, but let's take a listen to this. Democracy is a form of government based upon the principle of majority rule, period, end of discussion. Now that's not very complicated. Majority rule, it's easy to understand, easy to sell to the masses, and I might add, deadly. For example, what would you call a lynch mob? That's majority rule. There's only one dissenting vote, and he's at the end of the rope. Now, that's pure democracy in action. Now, but wait a minute, you say. The majority should rule, yes, but not to the extent of destroying the rights of the minority. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are no longer describing a democracy. We are speaking of a republic. A republic is a limited democracy. It's a form of government based upon the principle of limited majority rule. Limited so that the minority, even a minority of one, can be protected against the whims and passions of the majority. And how do you protect the minority from the majority? You write down a set of rules on a piece of paper. You say, this we can do, that we cannot. At the top of the paper, you write the word constitution. And then everyone agrees to follow the rules no matter what the temptation. Rules. And when They're you're finished, rules. you've created a constitutional republic. All right, so it's a set of rules in a republic that we have to all we all agree to live by. Let's take a listen to this exchange. Uh, my big question to everybody that is 
enjoying this great country as their home, where is the line in the sand? When, when is it enough? When will people have had enough? Because we're allowing the grand scheme of things of how many people that are citizens of this country, we're allowing a very small handful of people to destroy this country uh, without, without us being behind them at all. You know, this, this country is, I, I know it's not 340 million because that's, that, that number is old as shit. But um, this, this, this country is being destroyed by, what, 5,000 people? 7,000 people? 10,000 people tops out of 300 and whatever million people live in this country? Like, when is enough? When, when, do, we, when do we go back and double-check the Constitution and see what their rule book actually is as we the people and make them adhere to it? And, and have consequences for those who have purposely and maliciously tried to go around their rule book. Because everybody forgets the Constitution is the government's rule book. It, has, it, it, it actually grants us all the power. That's why we're different than every other country. We're, our power is designed from the bottom up, where everybody else's power structure is designed from the top down. And and we we let that slide through our fingers and we take it for granted every single day that only we, the people, can stop what's happening right now. It's up to us. Nobody else. Superman ain't coming. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump is just one man. Yeah. He's just the tip of the spear. He's just the one that's willing to put everything he's worked so hard for his whole life on the line for some some for some some good things to happen and and but he's just one man everybody's got it wrong everybody thinks that we're all just blind donald trump supporters nah we're awake americans that's what we are absolutely i thought that was really well said and in combination with the you know the explanation of what a republic is as opposed to democracy uh the democrats seem to get this wrong quite a bit uh, the Bronx knows what time it is. Let's take a listen to some black folks up in the Bronx. President Trump came here to the South Bronx. Would you attend the rally? Of course. I would want to meet Trump. I want to shake his hand. He's the only president that I see that can ever make America great again. He's capable of doing that. I would love to go to a rally with Donald Trump come. Cause I'm a big Donald Trump supporter, and I will support him 100%. Oh, yeah, definitely we're going to show him love. We're going to show him a lot of love, and, you know, like they do in other states. We definitely need to see Trump here. There's nothing but love for Donald Trump here in the South Bronx, the North Bronx, the East Bronx, and the West Bronx. So, you tell we me... Want, we want Trump to come back. Please, bro. Biden, get out of here, bro. I will come to the rally and support Trump, because the Bronx need a change, and we need somebody that's really going help this community. I would definitely come to a Trump rally in the South Bronx. I like him. You do? Yes. Yes, I will come to a rally if President Trump was to come to the Bronx and I also would bring other people to come to and support him. Would Joe Biden get a warm reception if he came to the Bronx? No, he wouldn't have. And I'll make sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. I love it. Um, all right. Funny how Obama in his second term, all of a sudden, was for gay marriage. This is a pastor, black pastor. I don't want 
to say he started all of this today, but he just said he put it all on steroids. Let's see. All right, let's take a listen to this. Barack Obama decorated the White House in rainbow colors after he redefined marriage. He did. But listen, marriage can be perverted, but it can't be redefined. Two men standing at the altar is not a marriage. That's a mess. Two women standing at the altar, that's not a marriage. That's a mess. God only blesses his sacred institution. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. Um, You know, black people in Chicago, for example, are saying they're taking food out of your mouth with these immigrants, right? I mean, they're fed up with all of this. Um, Oh, here's a clip where they say, don't do your research. Listen. That they can do their own research. Don't do any of your own research. Doing your own research is associated with conspiracy theory circles. This go-it-alone approach, doing your own research, that can have serious consequences. <laughs> you should get prison time for even questioning the vaccines. Can we all stop saying, I need to do my own research? That phrase, do your own research, four words, four little words that are hurting America. Doing your own research hurts America. Everybody has a supercomputer in their hand that empowers them to do their own research, and that's the problem. You must not do your own research. <laughs> I need to do my own research. I don't ever understand what that means. I'm doing my own research. You can't can't do your own research unless you're a scientist. Do your own research. Maybe you've told yourself you're playing it safe. You just want to wait and see since this is a new vaccine. No. Throw the up and get the vaccine. Unvaccinated people spread the virus. I'm going to say do your own research. Scotty says do your own research. (laughs) Don't just believe everything that the mainstream media tells you. Do your own research. Uh, one last clip uh, right here. This is uh, great. This is Bill Gates. Given billions for vaccines and, and save millions of lives, uh, if you just kind of invert that and say, no, we're you know trying to make money for vaccines and you know not trying to, to save lives, uh, that's you know a popular conspiracy theory. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? Over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. (laughs) So he just contradicted himself, right? Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. And also to make a donation uh, if you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free. Also use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Oh, where's my music? Right there. Boom. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there